Welcome to Jim Galliano's Building a Better Web Presence podcast. Build something better with less moving parts, less overhead, and less headaches. Hey everyone, this is Jim Galliano, and thanks for joining me for today's podcast episode. This is the podcast, if you're a first-time listener, where we talk about building a better kind of online business, one that doesn't break the bank and suck the life out of you with endless to-do lists, little to no progress, and things that activity-wise are impossible to keep up with over the long haul. These are things that just lead to burnout. Now, over the last 12 months, I myself have gone through a process of overhauling and improving my own business to focus on what's called a one-to-many business and marketing system. Most of my consulting clients, which are comprised of personal brands, freelancers, solopreneurs, and one or two person agency type businesses, they too are in the process of adopting this business and marketing model into their current business structure. And that's because it's so much easier to scale this than having to scale a strictly service-based type of business. Now, if you want to learn how you can use this kind of system to begin transforming your own business or see how it can plug into what you already have, and what I mean by that is being able to scale or multiply your income, but being able to do it without having to pay a big team or any team at all, or the need to have a large budget in place to do so, head on over to one-to-many-system.com and watch the complete presentation that's there. It's about 45 minutes, I think, in total. That's one-to-many-system.com. And I think it will really be an eye-opener for those of you in search of an uncomplicated, cost-effective way to grow your business while investing just a fraction of the time and effort that goes into growing and maintaining a service-based business. Again, that's one-to-many-system.com. Watch the presentation and let me know what you think. There's nothing to buy, so again, head over to one-to-many-system.com. Enjoy the presentation and let me know what you think. For those of you who are unaware of my backstory, I spent the early years in my business life trying to build a large company. And looking back, a good analogy would be a teenager trying to be a grown-up. Do you remember the 15-year-old version of yourself or the 16-year-old version? You were getting there, but probably you weren't quite there yet. At the time, you think and feel like you have everything you need to succeed, but you don't. You just want people to not hold you back. The truth is you don't have the experience and you don't even really know what you don't know. Now, several years into building, What basically ended up being two companies, I felt like I was trapped with nowhere to go. I was surrounded by much larger competitors that could do everything I could do, except they could do it faster, better, and cheaper. And that's what I was up against, trying to get faster, trying to get better, trying to do things cheaper. And they had all of the fancy equipment. I'm not talking about a digital business now. We're going back some some time. They had all the fancy equipment. I didn't. They had the bigger budgets, and I didn't. And several years into this battle, it also occurred to me that the business landscape in general was starting to change. And me? Well, I started to increasingly feel like I was getting lost in the fog of war, as the saying goes. 
There were just so many options. Everything was so expensive. The one thing that I did have going for me was that youthful energy where you can just burn the candle at both ends and not suffer for it for like months and months on end. But what I did have going for me on the other side of this was I also made the effort to have a positive attitude. And the people who worked with me and the people that worked for me, I have to say that these were some of the most supportive people that I could have asked for. And together, all of us determined that we were going to make the effort to stay positive. We were going to keep that can-do type of attitude out there. And we were going to do the best that we could with what we had. But of course, staying positive only goes so far without a solution to the problem. It's tough to admit it sometimes, but in hindsight, part of the problem was me. I don't know if you look at your own business like this and you look back at the past at some of the mistakes that you made. I don't know if you partially blame yourself or you completely blame yourself for things maybe not working out the way you wanted them to, or maybe other people were at fault, or maybe it's a combination. But once you put enough distance between yourself and those events, who's to blame isn't as important as what can we do to avoid this from happening again? Yes, some things may have been an oversight or just poor decision-making on your side. The other side may be that maybe you just didn't have the right people for the job, or it could be a combination of those things. That seems to be the easiest way to put it. It's all the above. But looking back on it now, the one thing that I didn't want to deal with was this one truth. In my heart, I really wasn't into, my heart wasn't into building a large, big company. It was something that I thought I should have for financial security. That's why I chose that business model. But deep down on the inside, it wasn't something that I truly wanted to build and maintain. Because if that were so, the energy would have been there to do it. I really believe that. Now, I'm looking, of course, at a much younger version of myself. Not that I'm an old man or anything like that, but again, in those early days, the energy that I had to learn things was boundless. The energy that I had to put into product creation seemed to be endless. I just had this reservoir of energy and creativity to pull from. But managing a big company, the energy was never there. That's what I mean by part of the problem was me and that my heart wasn't into building a big company. I was good at what I was good at. And there were things that I just wanted to avoid. And that's almost like saying you're picking the wrong career. You pick a career for all of the wrong reasons. Maybe your friends told you or your family told you that's what you should be doing. Maybe that's what your friends and family did, but that wasn't for you. I remember hearing a story about someone that Their father was an attorney and their mother was an attorney and they just didn't want to follow that path. And there were a family full of attorneys, aunts and uncles, just about everyone practiced some kind of law. But sooner or later, that child came around that just wasn't interested in that at all. They wanted to be an artist. So yes, sometimes it's tough to admit that, yes, the problem is you if you're trying to make yourself do something that you don't want to do, but at least... When you're honest with yourself, something can change. And I wasn't being honest with myself about the situation. I just thought, well, this is what I need to do. This is what I'm supposed to do. And and I just dug in with that. And did I have success? I did have some success. It wasn't lasting success compared to other people. It's, I suppose, 
I, it looked like I was doing great. I accomplished things that maybe the average person didn't accomplish. But thankfully, in the big picture of all of this, there was another way. Now, I didn't make a clean break from the past. I did it gradually. When I realized I was doing things wrong, I didn't just have an epiphany moment and the next day I did a 180 and headed in a completely different direction. I still had bills to pay. I still had responsibilities and I couldn't just walk away from it. The point of the story is this. You can do this too. You don't have to remain stuck working too many hours with way too little to show for it for the rest of your life. I think there is a better way and it's something that I want to share with you. And again, it may not be something that you can make the break from and to immediately. It may be something that has to happen gradually. But gradual change is better than staying stuck and no change at all. I'd like to share some thoughts today on expanding your online reach. This is something I tried to do very early on in my career in the mid-90s as I was planning out my how my company would interact in the online world of that time and how I would expand my business or my company brand. And unfortunately, when it comes to comparing one company to another, it's a lot different than comparing one individual to another. For example, we can compare a law firm that has a multinational presence with an individual attorney who's just working out of a local office and is only serving their local community. We could do the same thing with restaurants. We can do the same thing really with any type of service that's provided or any type of product. There are businesses of all sizes and it's not as easy as comparing apples with apples. On the other hand, when we look at individuals, well, everybody basically puts their pants on, right? One leg at a time, as the old saying goes. And what actually separates one person from another? Well, if you look at from one human being to another, it's true that one person may have a lot more education, a significant amount of knowledge or insight as compared with another person. But just from the human aspect, there's really not that much separating one person from another. And I'm making that as a general statement. The reason why I'm talking about this is because I put a lot of effort into growing my company brand in the early years, and it was very frustrating because I was competing against much larger competitors. And for those of you who don't know my complete backstory, there was a time when I was in the paper and ink publishing business. And yes, even if you're a local publisher, just publishing materials for your local marketplace, there are also... I guess what you might call the national publishers that you're also competing with. Let me just, we're going back when newspapers used to be read by just about everyone every day. You would have huge newspapers, but you would also have local newspapers. And were they in competition? Maybe not directly, but there is an element of competition there. I know some publications were very niche publications, but then you also had the giants in the industry. So when you compare one business to another business, what are you doing in essence, especially from a marketer's perspective or an advertiser's perspective? What you're doing is you're competing for attention. Think about it. Think about how many programs are on TV or available for streaming today. Maybe some of them have very big budgets with famous actors. Maybe some of them have very small budgets, comparatively speaking, with mostly unknown actors or completely unknown actors, right? We have shows that are designed for niche 
groups or interests, and then we have ones for the general public. And so I'm looking at this from the position of an individual business owner. When we bring this over into a business context, what I realized early on, even though I didn't put it in maybe such a strategic term as I do today, I realized that it was easier for me to stand out for my own skill set, for my own experience, for the brand that I represented, the brand of me, than it was to get my company to stand out. And so I put a lot of time and effort into marketing a company brand or a corporate brand, but I found that it was very difficult to keep up with some of the larger brands that occupied that same space. So when we look at this topic of expanding your online reach or even your influence, what I found through trial and error was it was easier to do that as an individual, in my case, myself, Jim Galliano, than it was to do it as my company or my business brand. Now, the interesting thing about it was in the past, people would build a company brand with the idea of selling that company or selling that brand. Today, that's changed a little bit because big picture, when one company buys another, most of the time they're buying the product. They're not buying the company brand so much as they were in the past. They're buying the technology and they're buying the customer list. Eventually, however, that separate brand is absorbed into the bigger company brand. The reason why I'm throwing that out there is because most of the time people are building a company brand, at least they were in for the last, I don't know, 50 years, and it's starting to change now, <clears throat> but they were building a company brand in the hopes that that name would become a big name, that that name would outlast or outlive them, and that, in essence, is where the value would be in your company, LLC or Incorporated. So let's, let's say you have a business and you call this... Uh, let's just put let's just put a wacky name on it. The big business. So you have the big business incorporated. We'll call it Goliath. How's that? Goliath, that represents something huge. So you create a company, you call it Goliath Industries, and but in reality you're just working out of a spare bedroom of your home. And in the back of your mind, you're thinking, well, one day I'm going to make this company so big and I'm gonna sell it or we're going to go public or whatever it is that's going to happen. Well, I mean, that's still possible. People do that, but that's not really what you would call a viable way to success for most people. Most entrepreneurs, most solopreneurs, most small business owners start out simply by providing a skill or a service in their local community, and then they and then they grow from there. But of course, the local community. We were limited to a local community in the past, but we're not really limited to a local community anymore because we have the online community. It's an international, worldwide community. But that said, it's still easier to be recognized as an individual and valued as an individual than it is to get that same recognition, that same uh, being known as an expert, and have that apply to a company or a business brand. Now, let me just look at the word influence. I know some people use the word influence and manipulation almost interchangeably because that's how they see many of the world's online influencers today. The terms influence, in other words, and manipulation are used almost synonymously. But when you think about the roots of the word, 
each of us can have a positive influence in the lives of the people around us. Hopefully, you have a positive influence in the lives of your friends. In other words, you motivate them to make better decisions, to be a better person, or to take a wiser course of action. And hopefully, our friends also have a positive influence on us, motivating us to do the right thing, motivating us to make better choices or to consider other options. So when you look at it from that perspective, having a positive influence on the people around you, well, it's a very rewarding experience, to say the least. When you bring it into a business context, it's no different. So one of the most valuable lessons I I learned early on was that it was easier for me to have influence as an individual. It was easier for me to have a positive influence on the people in my marketplace than it was for my company to do or replicate the same thing. I hope that makes sense. What I'm trying to point out here are the advantages and disadvantages on leading with a company or a business brand or on leading with yourself and your personal brand. Because no matter what you do, we are all personal brands at the end of the day. In other words, we each have a reputation which eventually precedes us. Hopefully it's a good one. I know that you probably know people in your industry that are considered to be hacks. They're sloppy with their work. They seldom, if ever, dot all the I's and cross all of the T's. Maybe they're the bargain basement leaders or they're known for that. And unfortunately, that becomes their brand. Your brand is what you're known for. Your brand is what other people say about you when you don't occupy the room with them. And so whether you work for a big corporation, you work for yourself or somewhere in between, we all have a personal brand. We all are a personal brand. And so I made it a point a while back that I was going to choose to do things with excellence relative to my own personal gifts and my own personal strengths. Unfortunately, it took me longer than it needed to because I put so much emphasis on building a corporate or a company brand and little to no emphasis on building my own personal brand. Now, in the process of building a company brand, I also built my own brand. But I didn't really, I wasn't in a place to take advantages of my personal brand because I was unaware I was ignorant to that whole concept of building a business around a personal brand, even though that's what my dad did and that's what my grandfather did and his father before him. So I was a... I guess you would call a fourth generation entrepreneur. When I think about it, my great grandfather, my grandfather, my father, and me, that's the fourth generation. I was a fourth generation entrepreneur struggling to build a business because I didn't understand the premise of branding. Now, even if you don't know, there's people that cannot explain what I just explained to you, but can do it with excellence because they understand the principles on a practical level. On a practical level, people are doing business with you. Even if you're working in support for a big company, once you're connected with another individual on the other side of that video or the other side of that line, that audio communication, whatever it is, however it is that you're communicating or an email, it's one-to-one. One-to-one meaning that their opinion of the company that they're dealing with is based on their interactions with you. You become the face of that company for that person, even though you're not really the face of that company. 
And so once you understand how that principle works, you understand how important it is for you to have a positive effect on everyone that you meet, on just about everyone that you come in contact with. Now, I know some people won't allow you to do that, but we're, again, we're, that's getting more into the personal area. We're talking about the business area right now. Maybe you don't realize this, but if you've been on social media for any length of time, I am, I, I would gamble. I would say it would be a safe thing to bet that you've had a positive influence on others who are in your space as a business owner. And so the question is, why wouldn't you want to expand on that? Why wouldn't you want to take advantage of that? Excuse me, maybe you never really gave it that much thought. But for years, many of you have built a lot of goodwill on various social platforms. People have gotten to know you on Facebook. They've gotten to know you on Twitter. They've gotten to know you through YouTube, LinkedIn, other places. And one of the reasons why you've built the goodwill is because you've shared information that's helped other people. You've helped them solve problems. You've helped them make progress. You've helped them get to places and you've done it directly. Now, maybe you don't even realize that you've helped certain people because you've published a post, you've answered some questions, and then you've moved on. And whether it be days, weeks, or months later, that content was still available to help other people. Now, I know that in social media in the past, so much was happening in real time. Whereas there would be dozens of people oftentimes taking place in a conversation as it was happening. People were connected more on these platforms, meaning more hours during the day than they are currently at this current time because we're just in a different time now. But don't belittle the fact or don't look over or past the fact that that goodwill that you built is still out there. Here's the thing today, even in the capacity of being a consultant, I have to say that as far as the influencing aspect goes, one of the reasons why I enjoy so much working with other professional people is because I learn things from them, even while they're learning things from me, because everyone has their own area of expertise. Everyone has their own unique experiences to draw from. And again, this is why so many people have engaged on various social platforms over the past decade. It was due to the value they were receiving from others. And this really, when we just we bring all of the loose pieces together and tie it up in a, in a nice bundle, this is what we re- really call a foundation for organic marketing. Let me share a few thoughts with you on this that I think you'll really find helpful. So back in 2009, I was a year or so into my experience using WordPress for the foundation of my business. All my websites, my client websites were being converted over to WordPress-based websites. And in case you don't know, as of today, I believe approximately 40% of all of the websites that are out there have been published using WordPress or WordPress-based websites, however you want to phrase it. But back in 2009, I had an idea to start a website around the topic of pro boxing. Now, my grandfather was a boxing trainer back in the day. He is in the Hall of Fame and he worked with some world champions. And I'm not going to go too much into that, but I kind of was, you know, the what do they say, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. I always had interest in this sport, not as a practitioner. Believe me, I can tell you that if you've ever put on a pair of boxing gloves and uh, punched someone and have been punched back, it's not really 
I guess if you have the makeup for it, I guess you can make a career out of it, but I definitely didn't. Matter of fact, all of the fighters I've ever met have always advised me and anybody else that they know to stay away from the fight game. But anyway, I was always interested in this sport. I was interested in the history of it. I bought all the monthly magazines that came out at the time when I was a teenager, followed the sport, pay-per-view, and all of that. So my grandfather, of course, had passed away by the time I got started with doing this online. But I decided to build a website around the topic of pro boxing. And around the same time, I also decided to build another website around the topic of uh, marketing. And I, I was doing that with a, a friend of mine. So I had these two new projects. Well, the boxing website grew really quickly because I knew so much about the history of the sport, uh, the fighters, and I had a, this vast material of boxing magazines, which went all the way back to the 1960s, all the way through the 70s, the 80s, the 90s. Every single month, I had cases of these magazines that if I ever forgot what happened in a fight, I would just break open one of these boxes and read the account of what happened at the time. So I got a, a picture of not only individual fights, but entire careers dating way back. So I began to write about individual fighters and dream matchups, what would happen if great fighters from the past were alive today fighting great fighters of the present. And I had a computer game which simulated those kinds of matchups, and I would write a blow-by-blow -blow description round-by-round round, like sometimes you would see online the day after a big fight. And at the time, I was a member of a forum on the topic of boxing, and I was pretty active on the forum, and I let people know what I was doing. And the site grew really quickly. Now, here's the thing. The people on the forum were sharing the site. The Search engines at the time, I'm talking about Google, Yahoo, and Bing, were picking up and indexing my content. And so what ended up happening was I was able to connect with some of the large media influencers here in the United States within the boxing community because my content had been indexed so highly. In other words, when people were looking up specific fighters or dream matchups or anything with boxing history, I had several things going for me. One, I had a good domain name that indicated this This was what the site was about. It's called the Boxing Magazine. The next thing was I had the content, the specific fighter names. I had the articles. The articles were, let's say, 1,500 to 2,000 words on average. And so all of those things over time, what do I mean by over time? I'm talking about 12 to 24 months, resulted in me having extremely high ratings on that topic. Now, maybe if I'd been writing about a more popular topic, maybe it would have taken longer. But the point is this. I basically used all of the basics, all of the free tools that are available for WordPress. I didn't have a premium SEO plugin. I used all-in-one SEO. It was a free SEO plugin. It's still around today, although there's a premium version available. And I put all my focus and all my energy into creating the content. And I have to tell you, I really enjoyed the process. And over a course of a few years, the site went from unknown. I went from unknown in that niche to well-known and getting some national media attention. So it was really exciting, and I used WordPress as the foundation to do all of that. And I have to tell you that now here we are 
2022. And when I consider all of the marketing options that are on the table for the average person, do you know what I mean by the average person? The average person doesn't have a big advertising budget or they don't have an advertising budget at all. They're not a marketing expert. They're not a technical expert, but they know a lot about the topic that they want to build their business around. My suggestion would be, and it's also my suggestion with the one-on-one clients that I work with, is to, if your website is built already on WordPress, then what you need to consider doing is activating, or for some of you, reactivating your blog. Because WordPress is, if nothing else, the best content management system in the world if you enjoy writing articles or if you enjoy blogging or doing anything similar to that. Even if you enjoy creating videos or recording podcasts, it makes sense to make all of that information available on a WordPress-based blog on your personal brand website. I have a site, jimgalliano.com. I have a blog on that site, and I can't tell you how much traffic that I've gotten over the years whenever I focus on putting blog content out, blog articles out on a regular basis. And as much as I enjoy making this podcast and making audio content, and I wouldn't trade this in for anything else, to be quite honest with you. However, that said, as far as getting, as far as dollar for dollar, as far as a return on investment, I find that the greatest return on investment right here, right now, is going to be on WordPress-based content is going to be in blog-based content because most of the people are not going to look for a solution first, most people. They're not going to look for it on a social platform. They may look for some engagement or for some opinions, but when people are ready to take out their credit card and buy something, more often than not, they're going to start by doing a search. Now, we can look at platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher and all of those. And what they are at the end of the day is basically like, they're like search engines, but for audio content, for podcasts. We can look at YouTube and we can look at even some of the new media sites that are springing up like, well, BitShit's, BitShit, <laughs> BitShoot is not exactly new, but a lot of people, for a lot of people it is. Other sites like Rumble and places like that where new video platforms that are rising up, well, those platforms are great, but those are more like search engines for video. And if you look at something like a Google or a Yahoo or a Bing, and usually if you're ranked in one, you're going to get ranked in another, probably not at the same spot. I noticed for whatever reason, Yahoo and Bing, which I think share the algorithm, I noticed that their top-ranked sites are usually a little bit different from Google's and vice versa. I guess it makes sense. But once you're ranked there, I think that as far as a long-term traffic strategy goes, it's very difficult to beat. And the other thing is that if you write a long-form piece of content to try and help someone, remember, again, three ways we can look at your business and how it makes money. You help people and it's a hands-on type of value that you're offering, or you help people help themselves. That's what your content does. That is the basis for a one-to-many type of system. Or your content is purely informational. Maybe it has some kind of entertainment value to it. Those three things. 
And by creating that kind of content, even if you're not an expert SEO person, even if you don't have all of your I's dotted and your T's crossed, even today, that content will rank and that can connect you with an audience far larger than you'll be able to find on any single social platform without taking out your credit card and without buying paid ads. Because the entire social algorithm as a whole is a pay-to-play system. Whereas at least if you're going to go with pure search engine ranking pages, right, the SERPs, even if you're going to go purely SEO, you have to recognize that a lot of that content that ranks highly is organic. People are not paying for ads. Now, I know for competitive keywords and keyword phrases, people are paying for ads. What I want to say is that if you do not have an ad budget, if you just don't have the energy to study marketing, if you don't have the focus to try any of these other mechanical things, all you know is your topic, there's nothing stopping you from either activating or reactivating your own blog that you have on your own website that you own and manage and go ahead and be able to create monthly content, monthly long form content that's designed to, let's put it as simple as possible. You write articles, you create blog posts that help people help themselves. If you will do that, maybe in, it depends on your topic. Like if you're writing about boxing history, like I was, I wasn't in this to primarily make money. Yeah, I knew there was some money in it, but I wanted to enjoy the process of taking an idea, of putting some creative energy behind it, creating something that didn't exist before and getting some kind of reward or feedback from it. Maybe it was just in the fact of uh, a measure of fame. Maybe it was money, a combination of both. Maybe it was people patting me on the back saying, you know, great job, I love your articles. Now looking back in 2020, or excuse me, 2022, looking back at what happened over the course of those years, especially from 2009 to 2012, I had all the above. I made some money, received all of the accolades, got publicity in the media, all of that. And so today, and over the years, I have to tell you, I've mentioned this before in other podcast episodes, I got away from that because I wanted to invest time in social media. I wanted to invest time into making connections with people. And I've made friends and made connections through social media that I never would have made had I not been involved over the last decade or so investing time in social media. But what I'm saying is, is that we're in a different time now. And I believe as far as long-term strategies go, that it will be tough to be a solid content creation strategy and Again, you don't have to be technical. You don't have to be an expert writer. All you have to do is help people help themselves by creating long-form content. Long-form content, I'm talking about 1,800 to 2,200 words. That seems to be the sweet spot. If you can't get past 14 or 1,500 words, don't beat yourself up for it. But if you do it consistently, what's going to happen? People are going to start asking questions. Right? That's usually what people do when they do a search. They ask a question or they make a statement or they type a word in there. And once you start generating traffic from those search re engine results, then everything else begins to fall into place. Let me pull this article up now. One of the first articles that I wrote with the intent on, let's see. It was listed on the first page for about three years. 
when I was focusing on solopreneur type business models and it just disappeared off the first page, I would say, and I haven't written about the topic in three years. So it stayed there without any effort. That tells me this, if you're gonna be a content creator, then you can put all the energy into getting your site ranked highly and it will be ranked highly. You can take your foot off the pedal, maybe for as long as a year, but not forever. So I think sooner or later what will happen is a lot of the sites that are just abandoned will just, even though the content is good, even though it may have been popular three to five years ago, eventually it will kind of just filter its way towards the bottom. But let me, let me find two articles here that I wrote that ranked really highly. One was the true fan business model for solopreneurs and the other one was on solopreneur business models. But I started it out like this. Here we go. The solopreneur business model. When I click on it, I started out by asking a question. And I bolded this, this first two sentences. Can you make a substantial... Now, this was published on November 27th, 2018. So this November, it will be four years. And it... It made it to the front page. It made it as number one for solopreneur business models. For And it stayed in that position for about three years. Okay, so the question is, can you make a substantial full-time income as a solopreneur business owner? Is it possible to make more money working fewer, fewer hours than you would if you're a traditional online agency owner? The answer to both questions is yes. So that everything but the answer to both questions is yes, I bolded it out. And it's the one paragraph, and then beneath it is the next section. And then I have everything else broken down by sections. There's plenty of white space. There's not a single paragraph that's more than four lines. I think five lines is the max. That's the rule that I follow. It makes it easier for people to read. So you have your title, you have your introduction paragraph, which I bold out. In this case, it's not really a paragraph. It's more like three lines of text. And then from there, everything else is broken down into subsections. In other words, you have a heading, which happens to be an H2 tag. Now, if you, again, if you don't understand that, just do a quick search on how to use H1 and H2 tags properly in WordPress. There's plenty of articles that are out there, again, that will show you how to do that. But I have the title. In this case, I'm talking about the solopreneur business model. And then beneath, I have everything beneath the title, beneath the opening paragraph, I have everything broken down into sections. And each section is basically a thought in and of itself that is a part of what makes up the whole of the title. So, for example, I have a section called the lifestyle factor in which I talk about how a solopreneur business model and lifestyle work together. The next section I talk about making six figures with a solopreneur type of business model. After that, I talk about how having this kind of business model is a healthier lifestyle and I have some statistics available. After that, I have a section called the downside of being a one person show and then I have some thoughts on that. Next section is called Isolation Isn't the Issue It Once Was. Then my thoughts on that. Next, I talk about time-consuming activities. You get the idea. I go all the way down the page. This happens to be a longer-than-usual article, even for myself. 
and then I end up at the end with a conclusion. And usually I'll sum everything up, but I wrote so much detail in the article itself that I basically just let everyone know that thank you for reading and feel, feel free to share their thoughts and comments about that in the section below. So that's an example. If you go to my site, jimgalliano.com, just look for the solopreneur business model. Now here's the thing. I wrote this back in 2018. It was ranked on the first page of Google after about six months for, let's see, about three and a half years. After that, I did not write additional information on the topic. And this is what I noticed the difference between Google and, let's say, Yahoo and Bing search engines. I'm still ranked for solopreneur business models on the first page of Yahoo and Bing. But if you don't continue writing follow-up information on that topic, then eventually you will drop in the rankings, in the search engine ranking pages with Google. And so I'm just throwing that out there to help give you an overview of how the overall system works. Three years, though, on top, not bad at all for not doing anything else to follow up on that. But even so, think about it. Big picture, where else can you create a piece of content, let's say in 2018, for example, that's still sending traffic to your website four years later? Most of the social media content people create is dead and buried after a week, sometimes even less. What about video content? I guess it depends on the topic, but most of the people that I know who watch a lot of videos, they'll choose the most up-to-date video recording over older recordings 99% of the time. And the nice thing about written content is it's much easier to update it than, for example, video or audio content. With the latter, you basically have to re-record the content. So when all is said and done, what's going to give you the greatest ROI, the greatest return on investment when it comes to generating more traffic and leads to your website without having to dig into your pocket and pull out your credit card every time and then hope that everything works out correctly? I say we're right back to good old-fashioned long-form content. Look, there's nothing wrong with using WordPress to share your audios and your video content. I'm not talking about that. That's not really the argument here. What I'm saying is, we're talking about expanding your reach and ultimately expanding your influence and being able to do that by having a doable plan. Again, one that doesn't require for you to invest money with paid advertisements. And I believe that what I shared with you today will help you do just that. Okay, let's go ahead and call that a wrap for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you believe it will help a friend or two, please do go ahead and share the episode link with them or send them directly to jimgalliano.com forward slash podcast. All the back episodes can be found there. And as always, your sharing of this podcast is greatly appreciated. It helps me reach people who would otherwise I'd probably never reach. So that's all for today. Thanks again for listening. Enjoy the rest of your week and I'll talk to you later. 